Welcome to episode number 271, Why and How Things Work. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. All right, you are now tuned in to the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Goose, Heck, Um, Gabe, and Nate. Why and how things work. In this episode, the crew welcomes special guest, Nathaniel Garrett Novosel. We cover topics that range from psychology of human behavior, creative processes, writing and publishing, the effects of the coronavirus, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Viktor Frankl and Lao Tzu. Guys, if you're new, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe and drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. Kicking things off. Nate, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. This is awesome, man. So let's jump right into this bad boy. So for those of us who do not know who you are and what you do, let us know. Sure. Uh, I'm Nathaniel Garrett-Novacell. I'm a researcher and advisor. I do it professionally for uh, the world's uh, leading uh, organizations and executives there. Uh, But in my spare time, I study human behavior, psychology, anything to keep up my knowledge of how things work, which is why this is (laughs) such a good topic for today. Um, and uh, I ended up writing a book, uh, it took me about seven years, I just published it last year, called The Meaning of Life, A Guide to Finding Your Life's Purpose. And the whole backbone of the book is, uh, well, there are two backbones. One is the idea that like, what if everyone's right, right? Like what if all philosophies and religions and things have the same set of underlying principles to them that if you could follow them, you could live a meaningful life. But then Mm. the second one was that the the book I wanted to write, I didn't want to have it injected with my personal beliefs and ethics all over the book and say, this is how you should live your life. Mm. And because I don't think anyone's equipped to do that, to be honest. Uh, And so what I did is said, well, what if I told people how to figure out their meaning rather than telling them what their meaning should be? And I identified eight underlying principles that uh, go uh, to to someone finding meaning in their lives and uh, published the book. I love that. I love that. All right, so we'll get we'll get really into the book, uh, some of the, the subject matter there. But but what made you want to uh, start to write the book? Right? Was it that you're already in personal development, obviously in 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 your profession, and there was? Did you think that there was, um, you know, some some things missing, or do you just kind of want to, as you mentioned, bring it all together in 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 one cover to cover, so to speak? Uh, explain what made you decide you know, you know what, I'm going to write a book. As you mentioned, it took seven years. Yeah, I mean, there were three things. The first one was uh, that when I was five, uh, my dad disappeared in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, wow. And uh, I went to see him uh, a year later um, uh, in, in California. He moved from California from Pittsburgh. And uh, I've never felt pain, and I would never wish upon anyone the pain it feels to have your father ripped from you. I don't remember what it was like when I was five because I don't have any memories from then. But when I was six and I went to see him and then I came back, it felt like someone ripped my heart on my chest. And I was crying and I couldn't go to sleep and I was just sitting there. And I asked myself, what is the point of all this if we're just going to suffer? I'm six years old. 
Uh, wow. And but there's mm -hmm. a part of my brain, this dispassionate voice in the back of my head goes, "That's a fascinating question. I wonder if you could answer it." And and uh, you know the, the the sad part of me is like, "Shut the hell up!" But <laughs> but I, I'm sitting there thinking. <laughs> And I'm like, that's a fascinating question. So I spent decades studying uh, human behavior, philosophy, psychology, trying to see if there was an actually an answer for it. Um, well, that was the first thing. The second driver was when I was, uh, I don't know, like 29 or something, I had um, was leaving a company going to another one. I was wondering what like words of wisdom I would impart on this to everyone else when, when I left the company. And what was funny is that I was like, well, you know, if you think about life, it's really, and then I started listing some core underlying concepts that drove uh, success in life. But then that that memory from when I was a kid popped into my head again. It's like, well, wait a second. You just figured out the drivers of finding meaning in your life. Um, and so it was that moment, it was about 2012, 2013 timeframe when these ideas popped in my head that I could actually write a book on how someone can find um, meaning in their lives. But then the third one is what you said, what you were uh, hinting at, which is um, that I wanted to do it the right way, which was uh, backed by science, uh, agreeing with all philosophies where they can agree uh, and trying to help people figure out meaning for themselves rather than dictating it to them. I love that. So explain a little bit about the process, right? So obviously you had your personal experience, but um, when you were trying to put some of these philosophies together, where did you first go? Were you, uh, did you already have background in a specific religion? Did you look at particular religions? Was it just uh, philosophy and, um, you know, historical data? W what did you go after? Did you classically go to the library? <laughs> what did it look like? Yeah, well, so I was uh, raised, I was uh, a Methodist and then a Catholic after my, my father left. Um, yeah. But uh, I became, I guess you could call it an atheist. Um, and I'm kind of come full circle on that. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah. th in terms of study, my, my passion was psychology. And there's a little bit of a, a thing. I mentioned the, the, the dispassionate voice in the back of my head. I'm kind of on the borderline of between just a really, really strong introvert and being having Asperger's. Uh, I cross the line, but I can hide it so well that no one believes me. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so like yeah, I got the camera and everything here, and I can do it. But and I can modulate my voice. I've been trained over decades, but um, I study human behavior because it fascinated me because I did, I couldn't do it and I couldn't understand it. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to how how that all worked. Um, so that was my main training. I did um, in terms of formal education. Then I went. And I, I majored in finance in college, but then I minored in psychology and it just like the, the world just opened up when I started taking those classes because I, I knew all the answers already. <laughs> I got I got wow. an A. I didn't even have to try because I'm like, well, I know all this already. Um, and then oh, but what happened, the biggest experience I have is I've for 18 years, I've trained uh, uh, advising executives on their biggest challenges. And as you know, uh, being a leader, most of your challenges are around human behavior, right? How do you yes. motivate people? How do you lead them? How do you overcome the biggest challenges? And the biggest challenges are always the same. It's always a matter of prioritization or superior knowledge or insight or some sort of additional, you know, the right way of using resources. Um, and so I was able to dissect a lot of best practices as well. So that's the, the, the main training. Uh, but then just my own studying of psychology, philosophy, religions, and so forth, uh, behavioral economics, that all led to the, to the concepts I identified in the book. I love it. Um, all right, so the meaning of life. Explain the plot and how the storyline came about. Sure. So um, there are eight core concepts that underline uh, human sense of meaning and purpose in their lives. And the eight are, I'll list them out and then I'll explain them. The yes. eight are growth, experience, desire, belief, emotions, 
ethics, support, and choice. And the way those mm. eight come together, how it works, how you can find more meaning in your life is to undergo the following process, and it's in that order. The meaning of life is growth. Uh, all meaning comes from growth. There are three definitions uh, of that that you might mean for growth that, or sorry, mean for meaning of life uh, that apply that growth applies to. The definition you can go look up the definition. It says the capacity to grow is literally the definition of life. Uh, but then also it's the purpose. All living organisms seek to grow, right? They go to eat and sleep and sex and everything else. Um, yeah. But then also the significance. If you give someone an achievement award, what do you give them an award for? You don't give the award for the achievement. It's it's kind of a, it seems kind of counterintuitive, uh, like oh you know you won best actress or whatever. It's like no no no, you the person won the award. The achievement didn't win the award. <laughs> and why did the person win? Because they grew into the person who could attain that wonderful thing that no one else had done before, right? So well, you know that kind of thing. So that's the definition. So growth is meaning life. All growth occurs through experience. Experience is a medium uh, through with which life uh, grows. Uh, and where growth occurs. Um, desire is what motivates you to have experiences to grow. Belief is what sustains you through adversity. So if you have some setbacks, you need to believe that you can keep moving forward or you will stop and you will stop growing. Um, uh, emotions are your feedback mechanism. They tell you whether your desires, beliefs, and experiences are in unison when you feel good or if you feel bad, then there's something in conflict. Uh, uh, ethics are uh, the rules you follow uh, to make sure you maximize your own growth while minimizing harm to other people because we live in a society. <laughs> um, uh, support is cooperation so you can grow more if you have help than if you did it by yourself as shown by the number of people on this podcast. Um, and then finally, choice. Uh, everything you do is a choice, right? So there are things that are within your control, things that are outside of your control, but it's the stuff within your control uh, that really matters. And it's what you do with the choices you make in your life uh, that end up shaping your own destiny. I love that. So so, so where do we jack it all up, man? Um, so so what inhibit, what is stopping someone? Is it all eight? Uh, do they all have to be firing off at the same time? Um, is it, can you focus on one at a time, explain why someone doesn't grow, um, and, and what's the approach to grow? Oh man, there's a ton of things. Uh, and we're going to talk <laughs> about the coronavirus later. So I want to hide uh, one of the things is, uh, the world we live in that kind of causes people to do things that uh, aren't what yeah. they probably truly want to do, but I'll save that one out uh, for later. Um, so the one of the biggest issues is uh, people think that the meaning of life is not growth. <laughs> That's the biggest problem, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah, what's yeah. the number one th that everyone thinks? They think it's happiness. And I can tell mm. you definitively, objectively, without exception, that the meaning of life is not happiness. It is not I, truly. And let me tell you, let me let me quiz you guys. What is the purpose of going to school? Education. To learn, right? Yeah. To learn, yeah. Okay, why didn't you say to get an A? Mm, great point. Because the A is not the point. The A is the feedback mechanism that proves that you learned. Happiness is the feedback me mechanism that tells you you're growing. So yes, being happy is a good indicator that you are living your fullest life. Uh, but just like you can cheat to get an A, you can cheat to be happy. You can take, you can do uh, uh, addictive behaviors. Uh, you could do all kinds of, you know, chemicals and those, all of those things can make you happy, put that in quotes. So you can cheat to get an A, you can cheat to be happy. And that's why people who keep seeking the next high and the next pleasure are not truly fulfilled happy. They are pleasure happy. 
And so that's what people get wrong. So happiness is an indicator of growth and can be hacked. It is not the goal. Uh, the other two, though, are um, ethics. So people think if you live an ethical life uh, that therefore you're magically going to feel fulfilled. No, I can tell you from personal experience. I spent my entire life, I jokingly call it perfect child syndrome because single mother, she looked miserable all the time. I tried to never, I never did drugs. I never got in trouble. I got good grades. I never did anything wrong. I tried to live what quote unquote perfect life and no one gave a crap. <laughs> and I didn't go, oh, well, I'm full of life and meaning because I followed all the rules. No one cares. They only care that you're not bothering them. <laughs> and so there's no like secret set of ethics that are going to like, ooh, I followed all those right rules. Therefore, I'm perfect and I live a fulfillment. No. And then there are people out there that tell you that ethics do lead to meaning. So there are all these kind of philosophies. I'm going to use the term zealotry. I don't mean that in a negative way. Just people who are all in that their ethics make them better people. And mm. yes, there is an extent to which if you are nice to others and you know that sort of thing that you need to, that to live in a society but it doesn't make you pious it doesn't make you better than other people at least in my opinion um and then the third one is a lot of people are looking for an ultimate goal in life and that is one of the worst things the worst ways to think about it i mean imagine if you're peyton manning or or tom brady and you you were at the top of your game and you're one of the best football players of all time or quarterbacks of all time and then you, you, your body stops you know <laughs> Your body starts to break down a little bit because you get older uh, and then you stop playing football. I mean, oh, if your ultimate goal is to be the best quarterback ever and you achieved it, what do you just go back in, in a shed and kill yourself? No. <laughs> I mean, you yes. know, Peyton Manning is a businessman and he's a he's a pitch man. He's really funny. He does a lot of uh, comedy skits. He's on the ESPN thing. So uh, the Monday Night Football and he's amazing. So like you continue to find new ways to grow. So people who, who keep seeking that ultimate final goal, first of all, they think it's universal and that is bunk. It is not universal. Universal. There is not one goal that everyone's supposed to attain. Again, growth is not really uh, a goal so much as an ongoing ever forever kind of point rather than a final goal. But then secondly, uh, they think that there's one goal for them and then they've attained it and they'll be happily ever after and feel free to make fun of and, 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 and blame the uh, fairy tales for that, that somehow you live happily ever after. There is no mm. such thing. Your body is actually chemically it's intentionally chemically supposed to take you back away from happiness to boredom when you stop growing. <laughs> That's why people get bored. That's why people get frustrated. That's why people get annoyed. That's why because because they're 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 not doing things that are achieving growth goals anymore. Um, so then they go, what well, what am I doing? And it motivates you to move forward so you can be happy again by achieving more growth goals. So that's probably the number one thing is that people just get uh, what me the meaning of life is wrong. Uh, and uh, when they get it wrong, uh, they end up not feeling fulfilled and wondering why uh, they don't. So. so, so can you explain a little bit about where does, and in, 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 in your thought process, mm -hmm. what is good and bad? Meaning uh, yeah. when, when, so you have like the Hitlers of the world who are yeah. constantly expanding their territory um, where some would say that was the most negative, uh, mm -hmm. you know, leadership ever um, that ever existed versus, you know, someone on the other spectrum of everything where they're, um, you know, creating good event after good event, And, and obviously you, we can go on a spectrum of what's right or what's wrong, or is there right? Is there wrong? But what, you know, what's the, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
It's a great question. And the longest chapter in the book is 80 pages, and it's the ethics chapter. Wow. And I, ironically, yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize to everyone who reads it. And <laughs> it's brutal. I, I tried to cut it down. And I'm like, no, I can't without like missing. You know, I wrote the book the way I wanted to write it, and that was that. But, Absolutely. Uh, but the ethics chapter is the hardest one because yeah. why do ethics exist? People think there's like some sort of objective, absolute, universal right and wrong. That is so far from the truth. And I give an example of like, you know, is it is it moral or ethical to make your kids go into the same field that that you did in life? Mm. And most people today would say, no, that's that's terrible. What a, what a jerk you are, right? But if it were the 1500s and you had a family business and, you know, making money was very difficult for like 99.9% .9 of people on earth and you maybe yeah. were a blacksmith or something and you had 10 kids and one of them was pretty decent at blacksmithing and could keep the business alive and then the father gets sick. Do you think it's do you think it's a moral thing to say, well, you know, you know, son, you could do whatever you want with your life. If you want to go dance or like go spend time in the fields, that's great. No, that, that kid would be a jerk <laughs> to not follow. <laughs> And keep that family business alive so ethics are you know are very you know uh, dependent on the circumstance they're very conditional um just like you know killing isn't inherently wrong if someone is coming and trying to kill you then you can kill them it's i mean like that's how the society works right if someone's lying to you lie, uh, that you can lie to them in return right it's all about situations <laughs> so that's the problem with ethics so i talk a lot about ethics in the book but i'll, I'll, I'll mention two things i do say for certain uh yeah. one is that there's such a thing is positive and, and negative ethics. And all I mean by that are those are things that you should do to attain a goal, positive, and negative ethics meaning things that you shouldn't do because they harm people. And laws and things are, are, are usually around negative ethics. There are a few laws that enforce positive ethics. I mean, we've seen recently that there kind of are. But historically, yeah. it's just like, don't punch someone in the face. If you punch them in the face, you go to jail. Like that, that don't hurt someone, right? Um, but few things are required for you to actually do. Uh, a couple of examples are like jury duty, right? We'll use more and, and <laughs> innocuous things and the contentious stuff. Uh, yeah. You have to do jury duty. That's something you you have to. So, so like that's a yeah. positive ethic to participate in the society. It's not a negative ethic. You didn't hurt anybody, but you have to do it. Uh, so is that ethical? Why well, say that you should try to be as minimal as possible in requiring positive ethics because everybody has the ethics that will work. Like, uh, imagine man mandating that you run three days a week. Well, if you're running for a marathon, that's too little, right? You need to run every day. If you don't care <laughs> and making the run three days a week, let's say, let's make it bad. Let's say you have something wrong with your foot and then you're going to be miserable running those three, you know, those three days a week, then that's not a good thing to force them to do it. So you try not to uh, force uh, positive ethics. So I don't give people recommendations what the ethics are, but I do give suggestions on how to establish a, a system through which you can establish uh, ethics. But I do give three ethics and they're there are three ethics, not because of my opinion, not because of what some you know uh, authorities said, but because of biology, evolutionary biology to be exact. And those three ethics are fairness, reciprocity, and minimal harm. And the reason why those are the three near universal ethics I actually put in the book and say, yeah, we kind of all have them, not only because they're ingrained in our biology because we're social species, but more importantly, if you didn't have those three, th three things, you could not establish trust with another human being or another living organism, and you could not cooperate. Those are the three main ethics for human cooperation. If you do not treat people fairly, if you treat somebody better than someone else, you will no longer associate, that person will stop associating with you. Um, if you do not reciprocate, so if someone's nice to you and you're not nice to them, well, then they'll stop being nice to you. 
And finally, if you punch them in the face, they're not going to be your friend. So if you violate those three core ethics, then you cannot live in a society, or at least live in, in a social group with other people. So I do mention those as biological, but the other ones, I, I say, look, you're the one who's supposed to figure out the ethics for you. I'm not going to try to dic you know, dictate my uh, ethics on you. Love it. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about... Um genetics does where, where does where does um you know tendencies and maybe um if you believe in the, the habits mm -hmm. of of people and things maybe you have to overcome um whether it's physical or mental wh wh mm -hmm. where where does that come into play yeah there are a few things uh that genetics uh, play in a part in number one is growth right so yeah your genetics do dictate a lot of what you can do, right? To, to some, you know, there's always those the, like, you could do anything you want kind of people where they, they mention Spud Webb and, you know, can win the dunk contest, even though he's 5'7", right? Um, right? And that's true. Uh, but uh, there's also, it's also true that, what is it, if you're like above, I forget what it is, there's some crazy stat, like if you're above seven foot, there's like a one in chan 10 chance you're in the NBA kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so like oh if you're gosh. tall by definition i i, I might have messed that data point up but it's really it's something <laughs> like that and it's like it's because if you're really tall that gives you an inherent advantage so you're more likely right. to be a good basketball player so yes genetics do um uh, uh potentially uh uh influence your uh, potential to grow in certain areas absolutely just like we can grow in multiple more ways than an animal right because we're different genetically and so therefore we can have what you might call spiritual growth or economic growth and you know I, I haven't seen any deer investing in crypto lately so uh, obviously we, we can grow in different ways because of those capabilities um but then the second thing is that there's stuff within your control and stuff outside your control right and that's part of the choice chapter and so yeah. there are certain things that you cannot control the weather you can't control uh you know whether the sun rises or anything like that um however there are things you can control so you can effectively mitigate the risk of those other things. So like, for example, we have shelters. Why? Um, so that we don't get rained on so we can effectively control the weather without having to control it. Uh, and also um, so we don't get, you know, for, for us uh, pale skinned uh, folks out there, shout out to everyone. Uh, we don't get skin <laughs> cancer uh, because we live in a place where people with our skin tone uh, should not be living for, for uh, survival reasons. Um, and I live at the beach. So, man, I, I got to, you know, I got to <laughs> stay inside most the time but uh but yeah so that's the kind of uh, uh those are the kind of influencing factors that genetics have so yes there's stuff outside your control my argument in the book is that um i say this in a, in a joking fashion but like who cares like okay so yeah. you can't control it so what forget about it don't worry about it you can't control it by definition you shouldn't worry about it um but that also goes into emotions um uh, because a lot of people feel uh, frustration with things they can't control and want to try to control it or get angry or can't let go of the emotions around it and that's one of the hardest things. Um, but I do, uh, uh, you know, recommend that, like, you know, you you control things you can't control. You can't. You don't control things you can't control. So if you are, um, you know, if you're shorter, for example, they have those like um, those surgeries they can do where they can extend out your uh, uh, your 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 legs and they can put in the you know the extra you know metal to get you taller, things like that. So you can do that, but you can't like, you know, wish it to, to get taller. Um, so you, you do the best you can, you make the decisions and you accept what you can't control and focus on what you can. I love that. So can you talk a little bit about the importance um, of environment when it comes to um, actually growing? Um, recently, <laughs> um, I don't know why, um, but I, I got some yard work done or and, and the weather changed. And yeah. I, for whatever reason, just out of natural, there's a bunch of bald spots on my, my lawn. So I 
you know, made it, uh, got some fertile, you know, fresh soil, threw some seeds down. Um, and just out of nap, just because I didn't want to see, well, my neighbor's mm. telling me, he's like, you know, the environment's not built for the seed to grow. You know that, right? It's too cold. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I honestly, I wasn't thinking that deep. I was just, at a, you know, we got some yard, we got some stuff, we got um, like sidewalk and whatever done. And mm-hmm. I just went to throw seeds because I wanted grass to grow. So obviously environment's important, right? So the seed, yeah. so the grass seed couldn't grow, uh, it can only grow under certain conditions. Can you, can you maybe use that example or go off of that with the importance of environment? Yeah, and that's the concept number seven, which is support. And people wonder why I didn't call it cooperation. And the reason why is, first of all, cooperation requires both ethics and support. So I couldn't name one that would include the other one. Um, all the, yeah. uh, that's not true. I, technically, ethics are beliefs. So I guess maybe that's not true. But but I separated them out. Uh, <laughs> uh, but support. And, and I also called it support, not cooperation, because you can have support from non-physical things. Or, or uh, not non-physical things. Well, yeah, you could. You could. Yeah. <laughs> I, meant, I meant non-living things. <laughs> but yeah, non-physical yeah, yeah. things, too. Sure, why not? Uh, well, clearly those those in um but yeah so um so you can have support from you know your 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 uh, you know your calculator supports your ability to do math right you know you can get support by things that aren't 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 uh, uh human or, or or even living um but yeah uh, support is important and i start the chapter with a, an explanation or a, an example where i say imagine trying to build the pyramids yourself or my favorite one is imagine trying to build uh the um uh, a self a self-driving vehicle by yourself from scratch but not just that, but you have to invent the math, the physics and everything else that wow. gets you to do all the stuff you need to do to then build the car, to then put in the programming for the self-driving mechanism to then go and drive the car. It would literally take you millions and maybe trillions of years for one person to do it. Obviously, they wouldn't be able to do it with their lifespan, but if you could live forever, it would still probably take you trillions of years because you just to do it yourself would take uh, forever. So it just shows you how the power of support allows you to grow exponentially uh, more than you could on your own. Um, so, you know, for example, to use your, your example, and I'm joking, but like, Maybe you should have hired a professional who knew what they were doing. <laughs> they could have come and put that that seed in there at the right time, in the right way, right. with the right watering or whatever. And then next Absolutely. year you're gonna have great, great, uh, uh, you know, great grass. Uh, now maybe you're not you're gonna have crappy grass. I'm kidding. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, that I mean that's the kind of thing where it's the the um, the support from other people. From you mentioned the environment could be just luck through like rain and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a combination of what I said before about the controllable and controllable. That's why they invented sprinkler sens- systems is so that they could, you know, to account for the fact if rain doesn't come, you don't have to rely on things that are unpredictable or uncontrollable. Uh, but then there's the support of someone who knows what they're doing or has some sort of, you know, ability that you don't have. Uh, it's the ability to work with other human beings uh, that makes uh, humans such a an unstoppable force of, of growth where they can invent new things and, you know, go to space and all this other stuff. I love it. So before we move on to the, the next book, is there mm-hmm. any final thoughts um, for the meaning of life that you wanted, that we missed, or you wanted to highlight? Um, yeah, I always joke that at the end of the book, I, I wrote, uh, there's one cheat you can do to, to inject more meaning in your life uh, immediately, and it's one word, care. And it's a cop-out answer because basically care, if you define care, it is the act of placing meaning or significance on something. <laughs> and yeah. so if you, the more you care about something, the more meaning it has for you. And therefore, if you care more about your life and everyone in it, you have more meaning for, uh, you know, in it. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit of a, a cop-out slash joke slash, you know, divine, you know, not divine, a, 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 a major insight at the end. It just kind of said, boom, you know, care, and you will therefore inject meaning. Kind of gets to the point about the fact that you do really create 
uh, your own meaning in life uh, uh, many times. Um, that's why I, I always say like I can find agreement with everybody, uh, but it's always about definitions, right? So like I, the only people I pick on heavily in terms of in the religious space are nihilists. Um, and yeah. that's because like we believe in that, you know, we believe in nothing Lebowski. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like, um, like they're, they're objectively wrong because me, if they if, if they mean like there's no like magical intrinsic divine meaning in life then they're correct but if they mean like literally there is no meaning if you give your own meaning to it then you are objectively wrong and that's what that's what i mean by that so i pick on nihilist a little bit because like look if you create your own meaning and you think there is none then you're like yeah you didn't give yourself any anything to, to actually care about so hence i put the but the, put the care at the end so that that was the big one but i will i do want to live with leave with uh, that point with one cool thing my favorite uh takeaway from the entire book is that you can actually if you're not very in touch with your emotions there's a magical formula that can can actually help you figure out what you feel about anything and that mm. formula is it's actually in the book it's uh your uh, emotions equal your desire plus your uh beliefs plus your experience and just to give you one example if you are jealous why are you jealous you want a person or thing desire you believe that you deserve that person or thing more importantly, you believe that some other person who may have it <laughs> uh, does not deserve that person or thing. And then experience. You see that person with that person or thing that you want, and it makes you feel jealous. And here's the cool part. Change one anything in the formula, and it goes away. You don't desire that thing anymore. I don't want it. Well, then you're not jealous anymore because you're not jealous of something that you don't want, right? If you believe that that person actually deserves it, like let's say it's like, oh, Elon Musk, I wish I had as much money or whatever, but Elon Musk deserves his money or deserves you know, his success. So you don't, you're not jealous of Elon Musk, you admire Elon Musk because you don't believe he doesn't deserve it and you do, and so therefore you don't feel jealousy, you feel admiration. And then finally, experience. What's the first thing you do if you want to stop being jealous? You get the hell out of there and you stop looking at the thing that makes you jealous. So if you change any of those three variables, you can change your emotional state, your desires, your beliefs, and your uh, your experience. Love it. Awesome. Um, so so actually, in the beginning, you had mentioned that, um, and I don't know if you want to mention it now or sure. come back to it. You said that uh, your journey kind of came full circle where you started out Methodist, went Catholic. Um, you went through all these experiences, you came back. I don't know what specifically that meant, but did you want to go touch that before we? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess if you push me as to what I am now, because uh, one of the things I don't answer in the book is where what the origin of life was. I, I, yeah. I say for the sake of argument, consider it irrelevant. It was either a deity or it was nothing. And okay, it's one of those two things. Great. Uh, you know, what's the difference? <laughs> I like it. And so you can kind of see my, my philosophy is one of uh, apathyism, if anyone's ever heard of that. Uh, it, it means that it's either irrelevant or I don't care. Um, and so that's how I kind of approach the book from an apathyist sta uh, standpoint. Um, and the reason why I did is, is there are good reasons for it. Like, um, you know, just because whether a God, let's say a God exists, uh, you act one way. If a God doesn't exist, you act a different way. Now, maybe you go to church or not. Maybe you, you know, do prayers or, or not. But one thing you probably wouldn't stop doing is uh being ethical <laughs> like you probably would well god doesn't exist i'm gonna start shooting people like no <laughs> like it's just yeah. you don't need uh you don't need a deity to have ethics i talk a little bit about that um if you do that's great and if you believe and you follow a certain set of ethics because of that that's fine i have you know i don't judge in any way shape or form but i am suggesting that it's it's kind of irrelevant you have to follow ethics no matter what you do even if you don't follow very uh very good ones um so but the the reason why i mentioned the full circle is i i was on the 
cusp of being what you might, you know, what they call those the new atheists um, or what I like to call them now uh, after uh, not jumping into that uh, arrogant atheists. Uh, the new atheism yes. just means in your face, everybody who disagrees with you is an idiot. And that's a, that's just a, in my opinion, bad, but uh, to, yeah. I mean, atheist is fine, but arrogant, uh, everyone else is an idiot is kind of stupid, but um, I, I was almost there. Uh, but then I wrote the belief chapter and something blew my mind. Um, I write about like, what's the optimal set of beliefs to have? And I don't have an answer to that. What I do know, as I said, look, you have to have enough belief or knowledge of what really exists uh, so you don't die. So you can't jump off a cliff and flap your arms and start flying. Uh, and if you try to do that, you will die. So don't do that. Uh, but then on the other hand, you have to have enough belief in a better future that does not exist today. You know, we technically don't have, you know, self-flying airplanes, uh, you know, right, and so right. will that exist one day? Sure. Why not? But if you didn't believe in anything that didn't exist today, then nothing new would exist. Um, so you have to believe in things that don't exist in order to move forward. And there is a term that means belief in a positive outcome without or despite evidence that is called faith. faith so you by definition have to have faith to move forward and succeed in life and so whether someone chooses in uh to believe in a deity and that's how they get their faith or whether they don't i don't care anymore i used to kind of go oh well you don't need that i was an idiot <laughs> the, the, the the answer is that However you get faith doesn't matter. You need to have it to succeed because by definition, if you need to grow, you will move into a future state that did not exist before. And if you don't believe that's possible, it will never happen. It might not happen if you do believe it, but you will, it will definitely not happen if you don't believe it. So that's where I came full circle is this idea that faith is actually a great thing. I, and I started trying to figure out after I wrote the book, like, oh man, how do I get faith? I'm not a <laughs> not a faith guy. How do I how do I get more faith in my life? Because you do need to believe in positive futures, despite or 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 without evidence, because that's how you uh, grow, uh, maximize your growth. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right. So so just changing gears a little bit. Yeah. So so your book, The X Factor, you explain spiritual secrets of executives slash entrepreneurs. Um, can you explain? You know, uh, the basis of this book, did this come from uh, your what you do during the day, how that came about um, and, and and a little bit more of that? Yeah, so that's a multi-author book. I wrote one chapter in it. Um, my colleague or well, former colleague, I guess current colleague uh, as well, um, uh, Kaylee O'Keefe, uh, she is the head of a company called Soul Excellence Publishing. Um, and she Ooh. actually worked at uh, the, what a, uh, the research place I was talking about a few years back. Um, and um, uh, so we were colleagues on uh, at that company. Uh, and so she, so she went and she did all kinds of cool stuff and then started this publishing company. And I said, hey, I just wrote a book <laughs> on <laughs> the meaning of life. Uh, there's got to be some way we can overlap here. So I did her podcast and things. But uh, uh, she asked me if I wanted to be part of this book. And that's what it's called, The X Factor, The Spiritual uh, Secrets of Successful executives entrepreneurs and i said well i'm a successful uh, executive i'm you know senior director i'll be uh, hopefully vp someday or soon um and so i said i can write something and it's funny it comes full circle to what we were talking about earlier about uh, about caring right being the cop out and so if caring is so important to and i kind of just dropped it at the end of the meaning of life is oh, half of a tongue-in-cheek joke kind of thing and half of a, like well that's technically uh, care uh, 
finding meeting is as simple as caring. So I kind of wanted to make it a little bit easy after I just dropped 360 page of, of, of philosophy on you. <laughs> um, and so um, I, I did a chapter in this book, The uh, Secrets was learning how to care more. Because uh, it actually is a muscle. You can actually learn to care, uh, metaphorically a muscle. Um, and so um, what I did is I kind of broke down in my chapter, uh, I called it, uh, do what you love, love what you do. And uh, I kind of came into it because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my uh, life. And so when I graduated, uh, I got a, I got my job by sheer luck. I, I mean, if anyone of you are uh, people believe in, in anything beyond uh, this world, then that probably was involved. If not, that's I'm fine with luck too. Uh, but uh, I literally fell into the to, to the perfect job, and I didn't realize for years that it was like the perfect job for me, uh, being a researcher and advisor. Because um, all I like to do, I just realized like, hey, what do I like to do? I learn and I teach. I was like, oh my God, that's what I do for a living. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, what a concept. Um, and so um, I accidentally, uh, this job found me. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. I never applied for it. Uh, they just called me randomly and said, hey, you know, so-and-so referred you, uh, Brooke. And I was like, yeah, Brooke, love Brooke. No idea who Brooke is. Tried to find <laughs> out who it was um, after I got hired because uh, they owed me dinner because they got 500 bucks referral bonus for me. Um, and I still don't know who it is. And I couldn't find a Brooke even after I, I joined. So wow. thanks, Brooke, or if you prefer God or whatever, uh, thank you. Uh, and so uh, I did do that. Um, and, and I did, I did uh, do that for, for years, the research advisory for, for leaders. And so, uh, but what I found when I joined is that there are things about your job you like and there are things you don't like, right? And so I was like, well, how do I, what do I do if I don't know what I want? Because I didn't, I, I was in the job that I was actually meant for and had no idea that I was in it. Um, and so I asked myself, well, it, I asked myself, I, I said this thing to myself, which is really cool, which is if you can't do what you love, uh, love what you do. And the idea is if you can't do something you're super passionate, uh, passionate about, make what you're doing interesting. Um, and I had a whole list of things. You can gamify it and all this other stuff. You can you know, just make yourself better. You can you can identify things you like about your job and things you want to get better at and focus on those things as much as possible to enjoy as much of your, your job as possible. And then I cover the other part, which is how to learn to uh, to um, uh, uh, to well, to love what you do and then do what you love. So you kind of move closer and closer to um, uh, uh, the job of your dreams. So if you, let's say, I don't know, I'm, I'm making this up, but let, let's say you are just, uh, uh, I was a, I, I'll just use my own experience. I was a dishwasher. I was a dishwasher for a few years. My, I, I grew up single mother, so I was pretty poor. So I started working when I was 15. I broke a bunch of child labor laws, so don't tell anyone. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I was working and uh, making money for college because I paid my own through college. And so uh, dishwashing, not the most exciting thing in the world. But we found ways to make it fun. So like they let us wear headphones and that was back before you're we supposed to be like serious and professional and everything. So I'm sure maybe that's normal now, but like um, we got to wear headphones. Uh, we had these giant, you know, the giant Walkman or whatever <laughs> on, our, yeah, yeah. on our things, but they let us do that. Um, so that was fun. Um, uh, we would goof around with our uh, coworkers a lot and while still getting the work done. Um, there were just ways that you make the day fun. Um, there's stuff you like to do. You, you, we, we'd always figure out, okay, do you like to do this? Uh, oh, I like to do that. Okay, you do the thing you prefer to do and let the other person do what they prefer to do. If you like to do the same thing, take turns. Like it's just basic stuff. Um, and it sounds simple, but it's really important because then you can say, well, what do I like about this job? So the next job I get, uh, how can I do more of that and less of the other thing? So uh, I did that with my own um, uh, career when I was in uh, at research advisory. I was doing a lot of what they call short answer research. I was doing research on the web and things like that. And it's kind of monotonous stuff. And and I would just call these people and do all this stuff. I was like, man, I, I don't like doing any of this stuff at all. So I would look for the role where they didn't have to do any of it, but I got to do everything else. 
And so I found that. So I became, I, I eventually worked my way into a role as uh, an executive advisor, uh, where basically I didn't have to do any of that stuff I hated. And I got to do all the stuff that I liked. And there you go. So um, the entire chapter of the book is on how to um, do what you love and, and love what you do. Wow. I love that. So, so how, how, uh, let me ask you when, when you got that recommendation from Brooke, uh, uh, the so-called Brooke, how did you know to go? How did you know that was the move? Uh, Because it was the only job opportunity. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to sugarcoat that, man. Uh, I was, uh, the the story was I I graduated uh, from college in three and a half years. And I didn't know I was going to graduate from college in three and a half years. So I was, I thought I had a whole year uh, of, of, of study left. And then I looked and I went to sign up for my classes. And it turned out that I only needed four more credits to graduate. I could have graduated three years if I would take one more cl- course somewhere or three more wow. credits or something like that. So I think it was three. I only, it was one course. So I only need one course to graduate. So that's what I, but it ended up working out because I took that semester where I only needed one finance course because that was my major. And then I took all the other ones. I took psychology courses to get a psychology minor. And it was the greatest semester I had because I was actually interested. I was falling asleep in all my finance classes. Uh, man, it was brutal. It's like, you know, I thought I liked yeah. money and stuff, but, but, you know, doing compound interest and all this other crap and like, <laughs> you know, keggers, keggers is yeah. not the fun part where you're upside down drinking alcohol. It's compound annual <laughs> growth rate. And I'm sure no one cares about that. I'm sure they're bored just hearing me say that. But uh, they're thinking about beer. But like that, I, I love psychology. And so while I could have graduated three years, I didn't. Um, I'm so glad I got that extra semester to do all kinds of cool stuff. But then I graduated and I was completely without a job and without any idea of what I wanted to do. And I was kept putting off what I wanted to do and thought I had a whole extra six months. I did not. So I applied to, I just threw my, I think Brooke uh, <laughs> got my name, my, my resume from Career Builder or Monster or whatever the ones were back then. Um, yes. and, and, and it used to be the $500, um, what do you call it? The $500 referral bonus um, was so that if you referred someone, so people would just take the resumes off these sites and start sending them. And I think that's what happened is that <laughs> um, Brooke, uh, if that's her real name, uh, uh, had uh, submitted one of those uh, resumes off the web and I got lucky. I, I have no idea how, but um, but I will tell you this though. Uh, yeah, it was the only one I had. It sound like research sounds cool. I would have done anything as long as it was in you know the you know white collar world. I was a professional world and I got to do cool stuff. Um, but uh, I did learn um, after. It took me about six years. I know that's kind of slow, but it took me about six six years because I was like, oh, I'll go to business school or I'll do this or I'll do that. Uh, but I kept getting promoted because uh, I was good at what I did. And I started to ask myself finally after like six or seven years. I asked myself, what do I really like to do? And that's what I said. Well, I like to learn. I like to teach. I'm like. Wait a second, that's what I do for a living. So um, I did end up finding out that I, I was good at it and liked it. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, so so let's talk about um, some exterior forces. Uh, as mentioned earlier, some things we cannot control um, or some things that we can control. So I want to talk about, because everyone, um, obviously, in the, the last year and a half, two years, whatever it's been at this point, two years, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. with the coronavirus, um, and everything that has come out, you know, there's obviously throughout history, there's dates and times where there's major shifts in humanity, uh, regardless whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether, you know, indifferent. What, what do you make of all this? Um, what are some of the positives that come out of uh, something like this, a pandemic? Um, and kind of what's your take on it all? Yeah, so um, this is one of those, like, did you really want to do 
the thing you said you always wanted to do kind of situations yeah. because you know everyone says oh i'd write that novel if only i had time or oh, <laughs> oh yeah, i yeah, would yeah, do yeah. this thing if i only had time oh i i have a project around the house this is a put up or shut up time well <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. it was over the last uh, couple years because you did have the time you were stuck in i mean yes yeah, some people had kids and made it harder and i get that uh, i'm not talking about literally every single person but a lot of people were just stuck inside with nothing to do so like right. if you wanted to learn that other language or you wanted to take that online course or if you wanted to work on the house or if you really wanted to you know do whatever it was learn to play the piano whatever it was you had all the time in the world and there were no excuses so if you still didn't do it then you really got to just own up to it and say, no, nah, maybe I didn't really want to do it. It was just kind of a pipe dream. That's, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you don't want to do something, just admit it. But, um, but that's the good part of uh, the coronavirus and all the lockdowns and all this stuff is that people really did have time to sit and kind of ask themselves what, 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 um, you know, whether they wanted to do something, they had the opportunity to kind of think about it. Um, but I will tell you that for me, I'll get, I'm an example of someone who kind of had the, what am I doing with my life moment? Um, yeah. where like, do I really want to live this way? Um, and I was stuck wow. inside. I was stuck inside for six months. I didn't leave the house uh, for reasons I won't get into. <laughs> uh, it's a really uh, uh, nasty story, but uh, I was inside and I didn't go outside. I got a, a huge vitamin D deficiency. My entire yeah. body started to feel excruciating pain and I couldn't get wow. out of bed and I was super depressed. And I, uh, and so I've turned out, I just needed vitamin D. So I took a ton um, and I felt better <laughs> a bit immediately. felt, took a pill. It was like my, my entire life got better in like seconds. It was amazing. Wow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I had that moment though. Like, what am I doing with my life? Do I really want to live like this? And a lot of other people had that a lot of like, you know, housing turnover and stuff has, has caused that. So I lived in uh, Annapolis, Maryland, right outside DC there. And uh, we were all working remotely and, uh, and we were allowed to work remotely. And I said, well, where would I actually want to live? Because I, I moved to D.C. for my job. That was what Brooke referred me to the uh, company that worked in D.C. Um, right. And uh, I'm from Pittsburgh originally. I love it, but I just don't like the um, the cold winters. That, but otherwise, it's it's the coolest city ever. But um, I, I was like, well, I want to live in a place that's warm most of the year and gets cool, but not cold. So it's not I didn't want to go down to like a tropical place where it's like humid and like 90 degrees for five months straight. Um, so I did this huge I mapped it all out as this whole big thing. But uh, I, I ended up moving to uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, South Carolina. Uh, and I said, yeah, I just want to live on the beach and just kind of go be able to go to the beach oh, every week I go. I go, well, whenever it's warm, it's a little cooler now, but I go at least once a week. I can go running in the when it's a little cooler um, as long as I don't sit there because it's freezing. Uh, but uh, man, it's it's great. It's like, oh, that was the thing I, I want to try to do. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to try it out. And some things worked out. Some things didn't. I mean, the, the food is all fried here. And uh, so if you want anything <laughs> that's not, not, not uh, fried uh, seafood or fried cheeseburgers and, and fries or pizza, um, then you know you got to make it yourself or go to you know some find some f fancy hole in the wall or whatever. But like uh, uh, yeah, so you know it, it is what it is. And so people can make those choices of what am I really doing with my life and what should I do, and that's what they should be using the uh, coronavirus for. Not to mention uh, what happens afterwards, right? Which is uh, that you appreciate the your friends and your family, and you appreciate the outings and things that you get to do when when you get when you come out on on the other side. So I think it's really just a great way for people. To take stock of their lives uh to really you know go for whatever they really want in their life because life is short and i almost died so i'm like i'm feeling great i'm gonna do whatever i want from now on this is wonderful um but uh uh but yeah i think coronavirus if people look at it that way it's the healthiest way to look at it uh because it's going to make them better in the end help them grow so to speak i love that um 
So, so really quick to kind of something just popped in my head, and I, yeah. forgive me for. Um, do, do you believe in whether well, it's a law of attraction, karma, um, in in these kind, these types of um, uh, school of thought? Do you believe in any of that? So, I believe uh, from what my research that I've done, ninety-ish percent of the law of attraction. Uh, is scientifically provable with just base or basic logic uh, can can prove it right like um, uh, like attracts like okay you you are friends with people who are like you right like if you like baseball you're not gonna and, and you want to play with a, a group of people you're not gonna play with people who don't like baseball that's stupid true so yeah. so there's basic science behind most of it um, so like if you uh, if you think about something enough like um, uh, let's say, well, let's let's say you like to play chess. If you're thinking about chess all the time, you're probably going to be better at playing chess than if you don't. So thinking about ways to win a chess is going to make you more likely to, to win a chess. So like, I think 90% of it is 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 true and scientifically provable. Uh, the point that's not, and it's the point in my book, I, I even mentioned it in the book, um, not Law of Attraction directly, although I do cite a couple of sources because uh, uh, Abraham Hicks, the, their, their emotional yes. guidance system, I use a similar yes. scale in mine. That's where I actually got the idea. I have a, It's a different scale, but I do give, I give shout outs, even though it might hurt my credibility with people who are like, well, you cited the Law of Attraction source. Eh, I don't care. It's, it's, uh, the emotional guidance system is actually a really good scale. Um, yeah. And so it's just that last 10% that basically says, just by thinking positively about it or, um, or, or believing in it, therefore, uh, stuff that's non-physical helps bring it to you. And that's not uh, scientifically provable, so I don't uh, hold a, an official professional opinion about it. Uh, but because 90% of it, uh, you can see my book, what are the two ones that you need for law of attraction to work, right? You need desire and belief. Those are the two things you need, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, desire. You want something. You believe you can have it. You get it, right? So, it it's my 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 philosophy. The the, the drivers of meaning in life are one hundred percent completely in line with all the the, the law of attraction uh, uh, states. It's just that final leap about whether non physical things are happening to help you is the one I won't make because I can't prove it. Um, if you ask me personally, if I believed it. Eh, I, 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 I believe in, in 90% of it. So, <laughs> so what's the last 10? I, I'm kind of indifferent to the last 10. Like if the last 10 is, is that something will help me beyond what I can control. Like I can control my desires. I can control my beliefs. I control my emotions. Uh, sure. I'm, I'll take the help. I'll take Brooke. Brooke, if Brooke, if Brooke was law of attraction, I'll take, I'll take that. Um, but I, I don't have a professional opinion on it now. Yeah. So do you think um, in saying that, do you think we are all interconnected um, so, so in the law of attraction and, and one of the questions that I did pose here, um, it, on the itinerary was, um, the, the importance of giving back. Um, cause I know obviously recently you gave to a, a charity called Thon, mm -hmm. um, or THON. What, what, where does that come into play? Where are mm -hmm. we all interconnected and, you know, giving back is a, a thing. Are you, are you of that thought or, um, kind of talk about that uh well it depends if you want to go with the uh, the book or my personal feelings or philosophy or whatever we'll still we'll go in order uh so the book um basically the support chapter right says that basically yeah. you cannot grow as much as you can uh, as you could without other people and ethics says reciprocity and fairness are critical to human beings to cooperate so the short scientific answer is you have to help others if you want to be helped 
It's that simple. <laughs> uh, and you have to not hurt others. If you do not want to, <laughs> if you don't want to be hurt, then you can't hurt other people because then you know, that, that's why, that's why hypocrisy, although I don't even think I mentioned hypocrisy in the book, but hypocrisy is everyone's biggest, um, uh, they, they hate it. That's everyone hates it. It's their biggest pet peeve, right? Why? Because it's, it, it, it violates the biologically ingrained ethics of fairness, uh, reciprocity. And if you're a hypocrite and do something and then force other people not to do it, um, and, and that would hurt them, then your minimal harm is, uh, is you're violating all three of the core biological uh, ethics. So from a from a, a a book standpoint, I say uh, yeah that um, of course uh, we're all we all need to help each other and live in a society if we want to grow. And so helping other people uh, when they need it, just because you would want to be helped if if you needed it, absolutely, definitely part of of, of meaning. Not to mention that one th- one way to grow is fostering other people's growth. Uh, and I actually mm. put that in the book, and it's really important, and people don't give it enough credit, um, is that um, you can actually find meaning in being a, a, a parent. Uh, and why? Because you, your meaning isn't in you growing. Your meaning is fostering the growth of your child. That's perfectly acceptable meaning in life. In fact, um, you know, they have these studies that, like, when you have kids, um, your happiness goes down, that married couples without kids are much happier than, than uh, married, uh, married couples with kids. Uh, and that's because you aren't as happy because you have to do a lot of crap, uh, but your meaning goes up. So that's why another thing, happiness is not the meaning of life. Happiness actually goes down when your meaning goes up. There you go. But um, that's what, I, by the way, I have entire sections in each uh, chapter that try to fail to disprove that these things are the factors because, uh, you know, it's good, good scientific rigor. Uh, but the book says that um, from a, a philosophical or scientific perspective, uh, everyone knows, well, I, okay, I'm sorry, not everyone knows, uh, quantum entanglement, it's kind of popular in the new age world uh, where they try to put a philosophical spin on a, on a scientific um Thing, but you all know it means they, they, what they did is they did a study where they took uh, what is it photons or whatever and they shot them in opposite directions at the speed of light or whatever and it turns out that when one moved the other one moved uh in a mirror image or in the same way um what we call quantum entanglement that one things had had you know take taken up the same space that they had some sort of relation to each ship to each other even if they were really 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 far apart so they should have no logical reason of, of affecting each other but they somehow do uh, and so new age folks take that to say we are all interconnected and, you know, we're all one big, you know, beautiful universe and all that other fun stuff. I, <laughs> I'm joking about it. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, I do believe in, in the fact that, that, that you know, quantum entanglement and things like that have uh, shown that, yeah, we are connected um, spiritually or anything like that. I don't know. So I don't I don't have a professional opinion on it. Um, personally, I, I do believe that um, it, in terms of like, are we connected in some way? Like we're all human beings. If we're capable of empathy and, and connecting with other people, uh, it's important to our own self-esteem and 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 uh, our well-being uh it's important uh that you have social connections and that's biology as well um so yeah i mean i'm sure there's there, there's room for that uh but you mentioned thon uh yeah penn state dance marathon uh, helps kids with cancer it's the it's a 46 hour dance marathon by penn state I, that's my alma mater um and so uh yeah the 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 proceeds from the x factor book we just donated uh, made a 500 donation from with the proceeds it was like 99 cent book as we sold i don't know amazon takes a huge cut so it's like <laughs> so yeah. like a thousand copies or something and 500 which are the proceeds would go to go to thon um so uh helping kids with childhood uh childhood cancer so i think it's really important it's important for meeting uh, that's part of the support chapter and part of the growth chapter excellent i love it um now i know you know you took seven years to to get this book out so there's no rush here but is there you know any future projects that you're looking forward to work on um, obviously, you know, the goal here is, you know, marketing your, uh, your, your current projects, but is there things that, 
Uh, maybe you want to add on. Is, is there sequels to these things? Uh, you know, any thoughts on on what the future holds? Yeah, there are two ideas I have, and I'll tell you, even though it's it creates that like, will I ever come out with it thing, and, it, and it's embarrassing, right? <laughs> We're gonna um, hold you to it. Yeah, I'll give you two ideas, but don't don't hold me to them because I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but um, one that's I've been kicking around is on truth. I have a whole outline for it, but I'm just not sure if I could do it justice. It's a hard one. Um, so I'm trying to dissect truth and like what it means and what it is and and why it matters to people and 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 how you could you know find it. Um, kind of in the same way people are looking for the meaning of life, they're looking for truth, right? So I'm trying to figure out how to break it down because um, basically I'll summarize the, I mean, there's a whole bunch of, uh, there are a whole bunch of factors like being honest and persuading people and all this other crap. But basically there are two, uh, two schools of thought, right? There's objective truth and then, then there's your own, your own truth, right? The my truth uh, yeah. thing that's been popular these days. And th the answer is kind of both. <laughs> um, and there's also a point of like, does it matter what's true if everyone believes it, right? Like I always use the, like, if uh, did, let's imagine OJ Simpson didn't do it, but everyone believed he did, uh, would it matter that he didn't actually do it? I mean, if everyone acts as if he did, then does it matter? It's like, ugh. but on the other hand, you know, people say the truth does matter. It, it matters whether you do something, whether or not other people believe it. So it's a really hard thing I won't get into, but I'm, I'm thinking about writing a truth book and how to dissect how people can figure out the truth. Because I, I think the biggest problem today is that people kind of pick their little political world that they want to live in. And then they just yeah. listen to whatever those folks say. And that is the truth. And the opposite side, their stuff is false, like misinformation and false uh narratives and things and that's right. just that's just not true there are multiple facts just because you it, it people can come to different conclusions from the same set of facts and they can look at it differently and prioritize different things so most political arguments are really just matters of priority and not on absolute truth right so like if you take something as controversial like abortion it's like well you know should you allow it or not it's like well uh should you have control over your own body yes uh should you not kill life yes so which one matters more? <laughs> like, which right, one right. wins? And the answer is, well, uh, for the first, uh, uh, until viability, uh, let's take the bodily autonomy, and that's a priority, so that wins. But then after that, eh, the person's life becomes more important, so you can't do it now. And that's what most countries come to an agreement on. And that's not like whether one is is, is wrong and anyone else is completely right. It's to say that someone came to some sort of line, drew a line somewhere that said um, this this ethic has more priority up to this point, and then this other ethic has a higher priority at this point. And if people could just accept that, then I think the world would be a much uh, more cooperative uh, um, place. But uh, the other book I'm going to uh, look at is, um, and this is stupid that my, my colleague at work actually gave me the idea, and I'm such an idiot, uh, but um, uh, I, it's called The Meaningful Enterprise. Like, I advise executives for a living. We live in the meeting generation uh, where everybody's looking for meaning fulfillment in their job. And here I am, wrote a book called The Meaning of Life with the eight drivers of someone's sense of purpose, and I didn't think to apply it to the workplace. <laughs> Uh, so, so I give my uh, colleague uh, credit for that. Um, I think I called it, uh, I wrote a title. As soon as he said it, I wrote a title immediately. It was like the meaningful enterprise. And it was like the drivers of meeting and applying the drivers of meeting to organizations or something. And I'm going to basically take my previous book and I'm going to write the same exact structure, but I'm going to explain how all these factors can be applied uh, in your uh, place of work, in a business, in a, in a company uh, to actually make people feel uh, more meaning in their jobs. Um, so those are the two things I got in the hopper. Uh, am I actually going to do them? Uh, you know, we'll see, but uh, maybe it's not for another seven years. But um, I, that, that <laughs> latter one seems pretty, pretty something I could pretty much crank out if I wanted to. So well, we'll see. I love it. All right. So uh, a question we ask all of our guests, and I would like to ask uh, you, if you do not mind, how... 
do you manage uh, work life experience, right? So um, as sometimes it seems like a very general question, uh, but also we are, so on a personal level, right? On a personal level, you're growing and, and you're aiming to improve in specific areas. Uh, like I always say, to become a better version of yourself and, con- you know, improve. Obviously that's going to translate into your, what you do for work or what you do for as a professional, your business, your product, your service, how do you balance the two, right? So how do you, uh, so you're not physically in work and now, you know, it's so different. It's a lot of people working from home, uh, that separation sometimes becomes blurred. Well, you know, where are you at with all that? Oh man. I mean, personally, uh, I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, I had a cycle uh, for a while because, you know, when, when I was going through all my, my pain and issues, uh, I couldn't sleep very well. So it turned out I would like try to sleep. I wouldn't sleep all night. I would uh, go start working and like a zombie and I would work. And then I would go through like eight hours worth of calls and meetings. And uh, then it was like around four o'clock or something. And I'd go take a nap and I would actually be able to sleep for like two or three hours. And then I'd get up and then I'd finish working. So I'd work from like seven to nine or whatever. <laughs> so like my, wow. then I would like go, then I would try to go back, go to sleep and I wouldn't be able to for the whole night. The cycle would continue and me being a zombie. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, no, I, I'm not the right person to ask, but I will tell you from a professional standpoint how it actually works and, and you can use that. Um, so okay. um, I talk about competing priorities uh, in, in the book heavily. And the thing that a lot of people get wrong, uh, it, I call it optimal growth, not not maximum growth, right? Because you know there are a lot of people who probably uh, don't like maximum growth, even though uh, they like doing the thing that leads to it, you know, like eating. Uh, <laughs> and, right, so, right. and so maximum growth, probably not the right term for it. So I call it optimal growth. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you have a whole set of things you want to achieve, right? You have a set of goals, a set of uh, uh, areas you want to grow. You want to have uh, friends and family and kids and and uh, money. And uh, you want to have maybe be good at a skill or trade. Um, uh, maybe you want to grow your knowledge and, and learn. Those are all growth areas. And I have a whole list of like 18 or so uh, different uh, areas. And there are, I'm sure, a million more. Um, but uh, my point is that they, they all compete for your time, right? Um, there's, there are only some that don't, right? So like um, you have to, well, okay, so you do com- sleep does compete for time and you don't have to do it, but you kind of do. Um, but like your body is kind of going to kind of grow regardless of as long as you, as long as you eat, drink and sleep and, and, and so forth and breathe, um, then your body is probably going to be able to take care of itself. You do other things uh, while you're uh, physically growing for the most part, like if you're a kid, right? Um, but, um, then there are other things that compete. So like, let's go with the harder physical growth. Like you actually actually did work out to get muscles, right? So if you work out, well, then you can't spend the time, you know, going and learning language or doing other things. That's why audiobooks are very popular right now. Cause they want to be able to jam those things together. I can work out and learn <laughs> and, and, and learn, uh, about how to write the next great American novel, uh, at the same time. Right. Uh, and so people are doing that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, you only have 24 hours a day and you only have so much time in your life. Um, so the goal is to figure out what matters to and, and try to prioritize accordingly. Uh, I know a lot of people get uh, dinged for prioritizing their career over other things, especially the whole thing like, you know, um, dad was never there kind of thing because he's working all the time. But uh, the uh, but I, I totally get where uh, some folks are coming from that they have these competing priorities and they have to, to make choices. And, and that's what everyone's going to have to do. So I, I basically tell people is, is how to do, I have all this stuff. I have this whole decision framework for prioritizing, uh, but you take decisions you have to make in your life and figure out, okay, well, w- what are the criteria I use to make these decisions? 
decisions, uh, what are the priorities I have, and then therefore what am I going to do? So if you want to do all those things, you know, have it all as they like to call it, um, you know, figure out, okay, how much time do I have to work to make the money I want to work and uh, or to make and, 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 and develop in a career as much as I want to? Um, how much time do I want to spend with my family so I don't feel like I haven't been spending enough time with them? Uh, do I have to, do I need to keep my myself in shape? How many hours per week do I have to work out so I feel good about how I look or how I feel uh, or how I, um, how healthy I am or fit I am. Uh, and you just kind of do all that and create a model and just say, okay, this is how much I, I could fit in these days. And this is what I'm willing to, to do to get there. And there are plenty of people who have, uh, you know, uh, their dream is to like work really hard and not have a lot of those like downtime, leisure time uh, to make a better future for your, for your family and for your kids. And they're willing to do that. And that's what gives them meaning. Um, so I'm not one to judge and be the arbiter of like, well, you should work this much and have this much personal time. If you want to work, you know, 20 hours a day, because that's pushing your career objectives and your salary objectives and all these other things. Great. Um, if you want to raise a family, though, it, and that's a priority for you, you have to at some point sacrifice something else uh, because you can't do it all um, with the, the, as much, you know, you can't put eight hours a day in everything. So um, make the priorities, uh, make your choices. And as long as you can, um, you know, they always say, look back from your deathbed and say like, and everyone says, I wish I would have spent more time with family. Uh, if that's really true <laughs> and you really do feel that way, uh, then make sure you spend more time with family. Um, so right. just make sure you don't live with any regrets so prioritize the things that matter most that you won't regret when you're um when you're older yeah. i love it um all right so I, I, my final question and and then we'll get uh so uh some of the items where folks can connect with you and reach out with you um what's what's your recommendation for someone who's listening to this right now initially i had I, we had a, a totally different question but now you know uh really getting interested into in everything that you're saying um someone wants to um, grow, let's just say, and, and you're like, you know what, what everything he said resonates with me, but it almost seems overwhelming. Where should yeah. that person start? Uh, yeah. I always say, if you don't know what to do, um, uh, uh, if you know nothing else and you just say, where do I start? Uh, seek meaningful growth opportunities is it. So just identify something you like. It's very simple. Identify something you're like, something you like, and have that experience. And if you like it, continue. If you don't like it, stop. And I mean, it's really that simple. That's that a lot yeah. of people. In fact, unfortunately, I learned the hard way for some family members who I wish, you know, you know, the, the people in your family are the people who won't listen to you, right? <laughs> so I wrote this book and I feel like I could just hand it to some of my relatives and just say, read it, damn it. <laughs> but uh, because this will benefit you. Uh, but I've known some people, for example, who just wouldn't, um, uh, wouldn't take it upon themselves to take a shot because they're like, well, I could be wrong. And it's like, you could, but how do you know if you're wrong until you do it? And it turns out it wasn't right for you. And then go do something else. It's not like once you start a job, you have to do it forever. <laughs> I mean, we right. don't live in the time of like, you know, where I mean, my, my uncle and my grandfather both worked uh, for over uh, for about 30 years or so uh, for GM, for General Motors. Uh, and I'm really grateful. I, I, I only buy GM cars because I'm, you know, for, in the family and, and I, I exist because of them. Hey, I'm going to keep buying their products. But, um, but like, that's not the world today. Right. So you work for two years and go do something else. You work for two years and go do something else. So like, they're like, well, I'm not really sure if this is right for me. It's like, okay, well, how do you know now? Granted, if it's like, oh, I, I don't know whether cutting off my arm is a good idea. Maybe, maybe you don't do that and, <laughs> and just trust that right. that's the wrong thing. But like getting a job for like, you know, a month or two and then finding out, Ugh, maybe I know I'm not a good fit for this. It's not the same thing as cutting off your arm. You can get another job. <laughs> so right, right. Um, you really just need to get that experience. And I think the biggest uh, people are afraid of failure. 
And that's, um, I, I look, I, everybody's, I'm afraid of failure. Um, but I'm saying it's stupid and I'm just, I'm talking to myself, talking to everyone. I'm stupid too. Like I'm not being better holier than that, but like, it's a dumb, right? Cause like, what happens if you fail, right? Uh, you try again. I mean, uh, what is it? Uh, basketball players are only what 50% from the, from the field or whatever, uh, you know, yes. of, uh, uh, quarterbacks complete 60% of their passes. I mean, like people are failing 40% 50% of the time. So like, and these are the best people in the world <laughs> at doing baseball's do, even so. worse at batting. Yeah, third is yeah, three hundred, right? Three hundred is good. Yeah. Um, so like you know, try something, see if you like it. If you don't like it, do something else. You know, it's a you know that old uh, uh, fatherhood uh, advice, like hey, hey, this hurts. Hey, stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so like you know, uh, try it. If you don't like it, do something else. And people are just so afraid of failure. They're they're so afraid of picking the wrong things. They're so afraid of what other people think of them. And like people are going to talk bad about them on social media or whatever, um, that they just don't try. And look, I don't blame them because there is a real fear today. Um, that's why so many people are fighting for like the the um to, to be able to put your ideas out there um and so so many people are afraid to speak you're going to inhibit a lot of learning because people are like not sure and growth because you're not sure what well, this is right and they're like oh if five thousand people on twitter are going to bully me for the rest of my life if i if i say two plus two equals five or whatever some something that's wrong um and i, I do believe that those people are fighting for people's right to explore ideas that other people might disapprove of just to see why it's wrong to understand so they could be better people um i think that that's important and I, i'd recommend and anyone who has to take that first step, uh, have an ex you know, have experiences, do research, anything, and just look at it and say, like, do I want? And just ask yourself one question: Do the thing and say, do I want to be better at this? If the answer is yes, that's a growth area you could do. Do I not want to be better at it? Like, let's say you play the guitar for five minutes. Yeah, I don't know about this. Like, no, then then stop. <laughs> do something else. Um, but uh, yeah, don't buy the guitar. Go try it first. <laughs> um, and so a lot of people either do stupid stuff where they 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 jump in too hard and then feel some cost fallacy and say, well, I got to keep doing it because I did this already. Or um, people kind of play around and don't give it enough time. Um, but really, just experiment. Uh, give yourself uh, time to learn to like something. Give yourself time to see whether it's good for you or not. Whether you're good at it. Um, don't let initial discouragement encouragement just stop you cold um that's you know uh, um carol dweck's uh, uh growth mindset so follow that um read that book if you have it's, it's it actually proves uh, the growth is meaning life uh, uh, uh psychologically in my and i didn't read until after i came up with the ideas but i read it i was like hey this proves my my whole thesis uh, there we go um but uh <laughs> But yeah, you definitely want to um, uh, just try, experiment, have experiences, try new things, find something you like, and then keep doing it. Uh, don't think that like, oh, I had it and that's over. Um, that's a pleasure or something. Like you're looking for things that mean something to you that you want to get better at, things you want to make better um, and focus on those things. I love it. Um, <clears throat> any final words uh, that uh, maybe topic or anything that uh, you wanted to say and uh, we just didn't get to it? Um, if not, it's okay. After you state that, um, how can folks connect with you, reach out to you, any websites, social media handles, things like that? Sure. I will end with this because uh, I know a lot of, I mentioned we're in the meaning generation. Um, at the same time, the flip side of that is we're in the crisis of meaning right now. And yeah. I'll tell you, for someone who didn't come from that background and don't, ha and don't have this issue, I, do, I can see it uh, pretty easily. Um, when you grow up where with like helicopter parents, like people who won't let you do anything for yourself and everything's kind of, uh, you know, everything's handed to you, that kind of thing. That's the crisis of meaning, at least one of the definitions. There are probably others, but for the one I'm talking about, uh, people are having cr uh, a crisis of meaning because uh, everything is kind of just handed to them. They don't really see any meaning in doing like hard work and trying to make things better and try to be the best that they can be. Uh, and then they wonder why life doesn't feel good, right? They're bored and then they do, they do all this stuff that they think is going to make them happy. And that's why happiness is not the meaning of life because they're seeking all these pleasures, right? Um, so I tell anyone who's finding the crisis of meaning is 
to identify how being better or making the world a better place or doing something to actually make it not don't go out and scream at people and say do you disagree with me you're evil that doesn't help anything that doesn't make the world a better place it just screams and and gets other people to 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 scream back at you and that's it um so <laughs> like you know go to the soup kitchen or 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 mentor a kid or do something if you don't like the world the way it is you make it better. You don't scream in other people to make it better. Um, so I would definitely mention if you're in a crisis of meaning, um, do not uh, do not think that happiness is the meaning of life and then you go find for pleasures and all this other crap and you won't find fulfillment there. Don't think that ethics are meaning because then you'll say, oh, well, these people have all the right answers. This political party is all the right ethics. So anyone who disagrees with me is Hitler and I'm just going to go out and scream and protest against the people who disagree with me. That's not it's you're going to think it's me. It's going to feel righteousness feels good. Righteousness is not good. <laughs> so, you know, uh, righteous uh, indignation. It feels great, uh, but it has no actual value whatsoever. <laughs> so do good. <laughs> Don't lecture other people about being good. Um, and so that's the crisis of meaning we're in. If you want to break that crisis, uh, go find meaningful growth. Help other people. Uh, make yourself better. A be better. Um, uh, you know, strive to be more. Uh, strive to make the world a better place through your own actions to make it better, not by screaming. Um, that's the stuff that will overcome uh, the crisis of meaning. Uh, and then Hello. you asked me about the uh, uh, the websites. Uh, yourmeaninginlife.com yes. is my website. I have a blog there. It's like the second or third most to like Mark Manson. Um, shout out to him for his, uh, <laughs> he, he wrote a book with a, a curse word in it and therefore he sells millions of copies. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and he also, by the way, he has one meaning of life uh, blog post, which is uh, the meaning of life is a hand sandwich. And um, I find that kind of silly, but uh, I get it. He was meant to be silly, but I think it's, yeah. uh, I don't think it's as useful as mine is, but uh, you know, everyone's got their own opinion. Uh, and, uh, so there's that um, uh, at life, the book are my uh, social media handles. And then um, you can find uh uh, uh, the meaning of life on anywhere books are sold like Apple and Amazon and so forth. Uh, but the X factor is just an Amazon book, but I will tell you uh, it's 99 cents and I think it will be for the foreseeable future. And if you buy uh, a copy uh, just 99 cents, all proceeds go to charity Penn state dance marathon. So if anything, just, you know, buy the book and show your support for charity. Awesome. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Um, uh, let's grow together. Uh, we like to wrap things up with quotes. And the first one is by Viktor Frankl. Everything can be taken from a man, but the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitudes in any given set of circumstances. And the second one by Lao Tzu. Be content with what you have. Rejoice in how things are. When you realize there is nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. Why and how things work. In this episode, the crew welcomes special guest, Nathaniel Garrett Novosel. We cover topics that range from psychology of human behavior, creative processes, writing and publishing, the effects of the coronavirus, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Viktor Frankl and Lao Tzu. Awesome. Guys, thanks again for joining us. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Huge shout out to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. That is BL3SSED.com. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, JimmyLeeVelez.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rotated Views. If you have any inquiries or questions, email us at info at JimmyLeeVelez.com. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. Stay blessed. <laughs>